Welcome to Season 2 of IVF Tales. I'm your host, Simone. This podcast was created with the intention of making the world of infertility a little less lonely. Each episode will have a new guest share their IVF journey, sharing some of the most courageous, surprising, intimate and saddest moments of their lives. It's real and raw, it's IVF Tales. Thank you so much for joining me, Anna. Hello. Yeah, good to uh, chat to you. Yeah, awesome. Would you like to just get us started by telling me a little bit about yourself and how your IVF journey began? Yeah, so um, I'm 32 this year um, and my husband's will be 33 this year. And about five years ago in 2017, um, we sort of just decided, you know, um, I went off the pill and whatever happens, happens. Um, So I was 27 at the time and um, nothing was happening and it sort of just snowballed from there. Yeah. Um, So... Basically from April 2017 for about uh, probably about five months, um, I've noticed that my cycle was irregular. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I went to see a doctor and the uh, like a GP and they told me, oh, you know, nothing to worry about, Um, you know, just try for a year and and then come back and and we'll, we'll have a chat about it. Um, but about five or six months after we sort of, after I went off the pill, we went, um, overseas to see my family and I decided to see a gynecologist there just because it's, um, I guess a little bit easier to access the specialists, um, in Europe. Um, so yeah, so I went to see a gynecologist, did a whole bunch of blood tests, um, ultrasound and things like that. And they told me that I had um, polycystic ovaries um, and that kind of explained the cycle. Oh, yeah, the issues. irregular periods, definitely, yep. Yeah, yeah. And um, so the gynae there kind of advised um, that, you know, it, it's probably going to be hard to fall pregnant naturally um, just because it's really hard to track the ovulation. Um, so she's prescribed some, um, like medications to induce ovulation. Mm-hmm. Um, we came back from holiday in, it was, would have been October, 2017. And, um, I went to see a GP here rather than taking meds on my own without the supervision. I went to see a GP idea. here and I was, yeah, <laughs> um, always a good idea not to, yeah, <laughs> self-prescribe. Yeah, oh, especially going um, from one country to the other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, um, yeah, so I went back to my GP and I've sort of just um, told her that's what I've done. Um, and she said, okay, well, in that case, let's just um, um, refer you to a local gynecologist and see what they, um, you know, sort of come up with. Um, yeah, so I went and saw gynecologist in a, back then I lived in a small town, um, in the Australian outback. 
um, with like only two gynecologists. Oh, wow. That makes it a bit harder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, went and, went and saw the doctor and we tried a few cycles, um, with the medication to induce the ovulation, uh, and grow some follicles. Um, but yeah, my body wasn't responding. So that's kind of where I knew that, um, probably this journey isn't going to be as easy as I thought it would be. Um, you know, <laughs> from from a very young age, I just thought, you know, you kind of like decide to fall pregnant and, and then you're pregnant. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, that, that didn't really happen. So, um, yeah, so I remember the day when I went to um, see the gynecologist um, after another, I guess, cycle of those meds um, to induce the ovulation um and I remember sitting in her room and she's just looked over my blood and done the ultrasound and you know she was telling me that um nothing has worked and um yeah she just said look your next step is probably full-blown IVF um something that I wasn't ready for mentally um yeah so I, I I remember that day like it was yesterday I walked out of her room like I walked out of the hospital um and it was raining outside and I just stood there in the rain no umbrella crying oh your your husband wasn't with you no no he wasn't no um yeah I just was feeling so lost and like it's like someone just um yeah taking away my identity as a woman I guess um you know blaming my own body um going through the, the whole why me <laughs> things yeah, like that it's it's really hard I feel to get like around yeah yeah and um I guess at that stage I didn't really know much about um IVF and in my head it was all about you know um just uh, I guess something that you don't do <laughs> I, I don't know why I, yeah it was just, um, yeah, maybe a cultural thing or something like that. But, yeah, so I just stood there for a while thinking, you know, what am I going to tell my husband? Um, how am I going to move forward? Um, you know, what am I going to do, basically? Um, yeah, and that's kind of, it was February 2019. Um, and... By that stage, oh, sorry, 2018, actually, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I came home and uh, back then, actually, my husband wasn't my husband. It was just my boyfriend. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, I just came home and I sort of just said, look, um, honey, this is what's um, happening. That's what the doctor told me. you know, and we had to have the whole conversation. Well, I brought it up and I said, if, you know, if that's too much for you, um, obviously my, I felt like my body was failing me. Um, you know, if you want babies and you don't want to go through all of that, that's fine. Maybe that's the time we sort of talk about our our relationship. Um, yeah, so we had to have the whole conversation around that as well, because I felt like I didn't want to put, you know, too much pressure on him um you know 
IVF is a hard journey. <laughs> of course, um, and especially if you don't know a lot about it, you just think, what's it going to cost, what it, what it in, involves, the success rate, oh, everything goes through your head. Yeah, and especially being, um, well, we live like 2,000 kilometres um, away from Brisbane, um, so having that added on to it as well, you know, the, the travel, the cost of travel, the time of travel. Yeah, you um, have to time in everything with travelling back and forth yeah. and fitting in work and everything else, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we've um, basically we, um, yeah, he said, look, it's fine. It is what it is. We'll get through it together. Oh, that's um, great. That's <laughs> well, nice. I ended up marrying him. so <laughs> Of course. <laughs> he must be a bit of all right then. <laughs> yeah, he'll do. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so then uh, we actually sat down and we thought, you know what, let's just, um, let's just, before going into IVF, um, let's have a chat to the IVF specialist, see what it's all about, understand the costs, understand the whole, you know, how, how much basically is required from us in terms of the physical resource and whatnot. Um, and then we, um, so we've done that and then we went to Europe on a big holiday Oh, nice. before our IVF journey just, just to kind of relax and, um, yeah, have it as our, our time before we yeah, embark on this journey, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, that's such a good idea. Yeah. Um, and so then we had to go through the whole um, trying, well, telling our families, um, like mum and dad, on both sides um again it was very um it wasn't awkward but it was very like I felt really uneasy because again I just felt like it was all my fault and you know um it was very emotional for me um like I said you know it's like I didn't identify as a woman who can you know fall pregnant easily and give my husband a child um I'm sure many can relate and, to that on both sides, whether it's male or female um, yeah. factors. But yeah, I think both sides feel that, yeah. Yeah. And at, I guess at one point you sort of just think um, as well, you know, why me? And also why Why does my husband want to go through this? You know, why, why do we have to, yeah, like why? There's so many whys in your head when you just start the, the the journey, but then also throughout the journey as well. Um, I found myself questioning a, a lot of things and and trying not to go and blame yourself and your body for it is really, really hard. Um, very emotional. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we've, um, we've, we flew to... Um, our first clinic in Brisbane in, uh, I think it was August. Yeah, August 29th. Yeah. So this is a new doctor, so not the doctor that was prescribing the medication for ovulation. Is this a new doctor now or the same one? Yeah, so before it was just a gynecologist. Um, where you, this one where you lived rurally one. and now you've, you've had yeah. to travel to Brisbane. Okay. 
Did you pick yeah, the now fertility we're... specialist or did your GP just say, hey, this person's really good and put the referral in for you? Um, no. So the gynecologist actually that was treating me um, said, why don't you go home, do some research, um, tell me who you like, and then I can do the referral. Um, so I think we've put it off for about a month and a half doing mm-hmm. that research because I just needed to go through that emotional sort of, you know, accept the whole that, yes, we are doing IVF. <clears throat> of course, yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then I've kind of done my research and found someone in Brisbane, yeah. Okay. That I wanted to go to. <laughs> yeah, and so how did that first um, appointment go? The first appointment was um, on Skype just because we, yeah, didn't want to fly down to Brisbane just to have a chat. Mm-hmm. Um and it was, it was really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, the doctor, the fertility specialist, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of new words. There's a lot of um, um, figures as well to, to talk about. Um, there's a lot of protocols, um, tests, things like that, that they, um, the fertility specialist sort of talked about. And um, at one point I just found myself just sitting there quietly and my husband was having the whole conversation with him because I was just so overwhelmed (laughs) with the information overload. Um, But I found that with a lot of IVF clinics and I've seen three fertility specialists in my journey and I found all of them, like all the appointments because they're so busy all of the appointments are a little rushed. bit rushed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the doctors are sort of trying to, you know, be to the point, get the information out the door and, you know, move on to the next patient type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, you as a patient really want to, you know, to feel like you're not just a number and, um, yeah. You want it a bit more personalised. Exactly, yeah, and yeah. have that have that a bit of that time and ask questions and things like that. So I found that, yeah, every single doctor that I've spoken to, the fertility specialist that is, um, felt like that. Um, that's so that's just, yeah. Um, yeah, so we've spoken to the doctor and then uh, I think about a week later we had a conversation with a nurse from the fertility um, clinic who then explained um, a few other things to us, like what sort of medications we're going to be on and, you know, what the process will be step by step. Um, things like, you know, who to talk to about the payments, um, how much it's going to be. Yeah, all those things. When she was talking about the injections, how are you feeling? Um, yeah, I was okay with injections. I think I was more yeah. um, just I'm in healthcare, so I'm kind of used to that. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but I know that a lot of people would probably be quite anxious about, you know, it's it's not natural to be literally stabbing yourself with a sharp object. <laughs> oh yeah, and if you haven't got a, if you haven't got a medical background, it would be pretty overwhelming. So that's good that you did have that that background and that didn't 
didn't scare you yeah. off too much. In saying that, though, the very first injection I had to do in my belly <laughs> probably yeah. took me about half an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just not. It's just not normal, you know. You know it's gonna hurt. You know that it's gonna. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you get used to it. You, you definitely do. Um, and it's not as not as painful as it as it might might seem, I guess. Yeah. So did um, you start the cycle straight away or did you have a bit more time to process it all? Yeah, no. So we had that holiday in Europe just to kind of, um, you know, have a bit of a break mm-hmm. from all of that. And then we, yeah, so we had about six months be- between our first appointment and the actual cycle. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And to start the cycle, you need to have your period. Um now, when you have polycystic ovaries and um, no cycle, it's pretty hard of to time course. it. So, and when you so want your I period had... to come, it never comes. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, I had to go on the medication to juice my period first, and then um, yeah, and then start the cycle from then from there. So that sort of just extended it by a month, which I wasn't, again, prepared for. Uh, but once the my first cycle started, um, I actually felt surprisingly really, um, like, happy, like, definitely going to happen, you know. For some reason, at that point, I thought, that's it, you know, I'm just going to get my baby in a month's time, I'm going to be pregnant and happy days. <laughs> I think we all feel like that at the start once you get your head around it and then when you start you get excited because it's that idea that oh this could actually really happen and this could work. Yeah, yeah. And and look, I think it's I wish I yeah, I wish that I started every cycle like that to be honest. <laughs> I think it was a really good attitude to have um as well, so you know, for those who, who who's going to be listening to this podcast, um, yeah, definitely be happy, definitely be excited because it, it really helps emotionally to get through this journey. Um, That's good yeah, advice. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we've done the first steam cycle. Um, How many eggs were collected? Yeah, so I went in for my egg, egg collection and that's where my first – um horrible experience happened (laughs) oh no please tell me you were put to sleep for the procedure or were you awake I was under local (laughs) oh my goodness okay um when I walked into the room I could barely walk that the last two days because I was so full yeah um I'd um I think I had close to 30 oh no 25 maybe follicles Mm -hmm. which have grown to right size yep um so I was, I looked probably about six months pregnant. Oh, God, um, yeah. With a lot so of pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, so I decided to do it under local just to kind of get it done. But I don't know if it's because I was already in so much pain or if it, because I was anxious about the procedure. Um, the green whistle that they gave me didn't work. And oh, then God. the local <laughs> anesthetic that they inject, um, didn't didn't work (laughs) so where were they Um, injecting local down there down there yeah yeah wow so they they give you the green whistle to suck on to start with just to kind of take that you know the 
the edge a little bit yeah, of that yeah. pain because as you can imagine injecting the local anesthetic down there would be quite painful on its own wow. um so yeah that's what the grin whistle is for um yeah I don't know if I was doing something wrong but anyways it didn't work neither of it did um so in total we had um 19 follicles which got um like sucked out Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so 19 basically stabs in the ovaries uh which I felt wow and yeah it was look I'm to this day I'm traumatized um I don't recommend having that under local unless you know people have a very high pain threshold I don't think I do um yeah it just it just wasn't nice yeah (laughs) um recovery wasn't good either after that because I think I was in so much pain already um panadine fort just didn't didn't cut it (laughs) yeah but we had a really good number of eggs collected we had well, that's the positive. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We had 16 follicles in the end, not 19, 16. Mm-hmm. And we had 19 eggs collected from them. So yeah, um, wow. that was a not good bad. outcome. And yeah. were you getting the phone calls each day with your updates, with your embryos? Um, so with that clinic that I was in, um, I could decide what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I decided to get a phone call on... Um, the first day, obviously, to find out how many got fertilized, and then day three, and then day five and six. I could have had it every day, the phone call, but I just thought um, it wasn't really necessary. Yeah. Because I think between day three and five, there isn't much happening. So. Um, and how are you? Yes. Yeah, so, how are the numbers looking? Um, so in the end, we got uh, six embryos. Wow. From those. Not bad. Yeah. Your first yeah. time. That's great. Yeah. So 19 collected, um, 13 got fertilized, and then six embryos in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, How are you five, feeling? Five. Were you excited? Because you've got a pretty good oh. result the first time. I had um, in my head for some reason, I had a magic number five. I just really wanted to get five. Yeah. <laughs> so when I found out it was six, I, yeah, I was over the moon. I, <laughs> I remember I was. By that time, I was back home in our little um, town mm-hmm. and they gave me a call and I just sat on the floor crying because oh. I was so happy. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. Were you able um, – did you do a fresh transfer or were they all frozen? No. So the doctor has advised me against doing a fresh transfer um, mm-hmm. just because of how bloated I was. And because of the polycystic ovaries, there was a higher chance of getting ovarian hyperstimulation mm-hmm. um, and plus the amount of yeah, follicles. So um, we've, yeah, I just waited for the period to come and then did the frozen transfer the next cycle. Okay. And how did that go? Um, it worked. <laughs> I fell pregnant first oh, go, wow. um, which again, like I said, I had no doubts that that was going to happen when I started an IVF journey. Um, and we were just so over the moon. The HCG numbers were really good. Um, but, 
unfortunately that the pregnancy didn't progress in the end. Oh, I'm so um, sorry. So they came the second shock. Oh no! System. How many weeks were um, you? So we went. Um, I started sort of having on and off um, bleeding at five and a half weeks, and it wasn't heavy, heavy, you know, or anything. And um, I've just been advised to hang in there, you know, um, use more progesterone if I need to, um, and just rest as much as possible and wait for my six and a half week scan to see what's going on. Yeah. Um, I ended up going into the hospital close to six weeks, probably five weeks and I don't know, probably five days. Um, just because the bleeding got heavier and I was cramping lots and really stressed. First pregnancy, you know, don't know what's going on. Um, far away from my fertility specialist as well. So I went into the local hospital, um, they did the scan and they said, um, you know, it was too early to detect anything, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just said, look, it could be a miscarriage or it could be just a normal thing, um, probably miscarriage. So just, you know, get ready for that. And then I had to wait for another week for another scan because by that stage, obviously, the um, the baby would have been big enough to detect the heartbeat mm-hmm. yeah um so we went back at six and a half weeks and the sac has grown but there was no embryo inside of it oh, so i think it's called so over. Yeah, yeah yeah um so yeah so there was our first loss um i honestly wasn't even considering that that could happen to us after all that you know the the journey that we've had so far Mm -hmm. um the hospital has advised me that you know I I, I had a few options wet it out and have miscarriage naturally um have the tablets and and miscarry that way or have a surgery dnc I didn't want to, I had a really bad morning sickness by that stage, so I didn't want to wait um, just because it was, you know, kind of like another reminder that I'm pregnant, but I'm not. Yeah. Um, so I, I decided to try the tablets um, and <laughs> again, that was um, the third, <laughs> the third trauma um, within like uh-huh. a month and a half that came my way. Yeah. Um, I ended up having that in hospital because I reacted to the anti-nausea medication. Um, again, in the middle of all of that, we found out that I was severely allergic to it. Oh. So they've admitted me to the hospital um, because I needed urgent med- medical attention um, to reverse the, yeah, the like that medication. And then yeah. they kept me overnight just to monitor me and then in the morning um, they brought out those pills. Um, unfortunately, uh, being, being a small uh, remote like hospital, they didn't have enough beds in the maternity ward where, you know, they're more like specialised in that. Um, I was put in the surgical ward where people had no idea what was going on. 
um, the nurse was very open with me and she said, look, I I don't know, but here's the tablet I've been told to give you. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh. And your your doctor has asked to collect a sample as well. Here is a jar. Oh, and she my walked goodness. away. Um, oh, Anna. No one really... so here I am like lying down there after you know having a severe allergic reaction having all those um, drugs pumped into me trying to reverse it having a sleepless night at 6 a.m they gave me the tablet um, which I took and then um, probably within an hour after taking it um, my uterus started contracting and again, no one told me that that was going to happen. I don't know what I was expecting. I wasn't really expecting anything. Um, but that was really painful. Yeah. And um, very, look, without going into too many details, it wasn't a very pleasant experience. Um, you know, trying to collect the sample, trying to understand which sample I need to collect because a, a lot of stuff comes out of you. Um. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah, pretty, wow. yeah. Was your partner not, able not to nice be with thing. you or were you by yourself? Um, I was by myself just because I told my husband, go to work, I'll be fine, I'm in hospital, you know, oh. what could go wrong? <laughs> and um, you probably felt like you were completely alone. Oh, that breaks my heart. I, I certainly did, yes. Um, none of my friends knew that I was pregnant mm-hmm. um, because it was so early on. Um, my mum lives overseas, so... She couldn't really be there for me, um, you know, person like obviously she was there on the phone but mm. not in person. Um, yeah, so definitely have your husband with you <laughs> times like that. Even if you are in the hospital, um, things can, can go wrong because they did for me. And by no means am I bl- blaming any staff at the hospital. It was just, you know, not the right ward for me to be in and I obviously had no idea what to expect so yeah you just you weren't in the right setting and you wouldn't weren't given the right information so yeah yeah that once again our health system lets us down that it just shouldn't happen but it does unfortunately yeah I'm so sorry that you had to go through that yeah anyways it's in the past now yeah Um, were you in hospital for a few days or could you go home soon after no, so I had that pill at 6 a.m. Oh, there's multiple tablets that you take in stages, but, mm-hmm. yeah, the last one was at 6 a.m. And by midday I was discharged to go home um, because the bleeding had, you know, um, reduced significantly. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that I'm not bleeding out. And then, um, yeah, I just went home. Um, and then came... <laughs> I call it the dark times. I was so alone in the journey all of a sudden, you know, I didn't know how to help my husband because I felt like he was, you know, obviously quite upset about what was happening. And I I could tell that he wanted to help me, but he didn't know how. Um, And then obviously I haven't told any friends, didn't really have any support, which, um, I changed it going into the next um, cycle. I, I actually ended up telling some some of the closer friends just so I would have that support. Mm-hmm. Um, so for about um, for about two, 
two to three months, I was really struggling mentally, um, just trying to, to process, you know, what's happened and and how to move forward. And I just thought that, you know, IVF was the solution. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden this happened. <laughs> like, how does it work? Why is my body failing me again? You know, things like that. Um, so at one point, I... I think, again, being in healthcare kind of helped me to realise that if I don't get any professional help, um, I probably wasn't, you know, going to recover on my own mm-hmm. uh, from this whole experience. So I went and spoke to a psychologist, um, had a few session, sessions about it, um, reflected on it, you know, and it really helped me to move forward. So. I highly recommend doing that to anyone who has gone through, you know, some sort of trauma, um, whether it's miscarriage or IVF-related trauma. Um, Yeah, just talking in a safe space um, was was my, yeah, salvation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, that's Um, good. I'm glad you got some help because a lot of people don't and they just sort of get to, you know, breaking point and it's almost... They, yeah, yeah. They take too I, long. So good on you for recognizing it and, and going and talking to someone. That's good. And it, it is easy to be in denial and sort of just say, no, I'll be fine. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if you have a physical health problem, you know, if you have temperature, you take Panadol. If your mind is not all right, just go and get help as well. Um, Definitely. Yeah. There's, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be taking you know, antidepressants or whatever, like hard pills. It sometimes it's just like with me, just talking to someone in a safe environment, someone who doesn't judge and listens um, is all you need. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree um, with you. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, like in that whole process, um, while I was straight after having that sort of hospital experience, um, I think about, yeah, a couple of days later, I went into the ph- local pharmacy to get, um, to get, I think it was antibiotics or something, some sort of medication that I was prescribed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bumped into a dear friend and, um, you know, <laughs> when I, when I told my friend that that's what's happened, the first reaction was, oh, don't worry, it'll happen. Just relax and have fun. Oh, my God. Um, After you just had a <laughs> miscarriage and gone through a first round of IVF, someone said that. And to be honest, I don't think that the person was trying to be mean or, you know, whatever. I genuinely believe that we don't talk about miscarriage enough. They didn't know society. what to say. Yeah. yeah, people don't know what to say or how to mm-hmm. react or, you know. Um, so <laughs> I felt like punching her, honestly. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very normal reaction, Anna, to, to <laughs> want to do that. Oh, but, yeah, just looking at it, back at it, I'm like, it's definitely because we don't talk enough about it. People just don't know what to say. Um, yeah. We need to normalise it, I think. Definitely, of course, yeah. Um, so yeah, so after sort of recovering mentally, physically uh, from from that, I um, went in for my second um, embryo transfer, mm-hmm. which didn't work, didn't stick, 
and that was okay. I was okay with it. Um, like you do get upset, but of course, um, having had that ex- previous experience already, I, yeah, I was kind of, I was ready for any outcome at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went in for my third embryo transfer back to back. Um, and got a positive. I'm a serial home tester. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're not supposed to. Uh, how, many, how, like, how many tests did you take and when did you start testing? <laughs> I always love to hear uh, this story. Yeah, you're not supposed to. I know. Not, but everyone really does, bad. though. <laughs> so how many, how many did you do? Um, I think I would have started on day six because that's when I got my first my, with my first pregnancy, that's when I got my really strong positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have started on day six. And then I did it every day for um, until the bloods, basically, until day yeah. 11. And were you lining um, them just... up and making sure that it was getting darker? <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> Definitely, you know, and writing the uh, little notes on them, yeah. you know, what day it is, post-embryo yeah. transfer and what time it is and stuff like that. I yeah. reckon only people going through... IVF do that people that get <laughs> pregnant naturally I don't think they do that I think they just take one test and and they go oh I'm pregnant cool oh, <laughs> we're all crazy yeah so sorry <laughs> can, can continue um look I always say I probably own a small fortune in the um <laughs> in the company that produces yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I've, I've used so many of those tests yeah. over the years. Um, yeah, so we've with the third transfer, my um, I, I got a positive again, but by the blood's day, the line has diminished basically, so had a chemical oh. pregnancy. Um, that and yeah, I, that was... Um, that was painful. Yeah, that was. Yeah, because you would have thought this is looking really good, and then, um, yeah, the HCG yeah. level just wasn't and, what you ex- and it wasn't would have expected. Line as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yep. So stopped the medications, had the period, and then um, the lovely pandemic hit the world. Oh. <laughs> Um, and then there was that uncertainty about, you know, whether IVF clinics are going to be open and whether they're going to go ahead with the transfers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, being in a small remote town, um, that just added on that extra layer of um, yeah. uncertainty as well on how Definitely. to get to Brisbane and, and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, we decided to go ahead. Our clinic said, yep, we are definitely you know it was actually lovely what they said to me on the phone they said you didn't choose this you know you you didn't choose to go through IVF it is a medical condition um so we are staying open for as long as we can um so definitely going ahead with the cycle Mm -hmm. um and that was in April um when so 2020, 2020, I'd say. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. When um, I was, yeah, I got my period started on the, the cycle number four, mm-hmm. preparing for the embryo transfer. Um, and then because of the um, pandemic, 
um, sorry, with the obviously with the cycles, you don't know when the embryo transfer will be until probably about five days before, mm-hmm. um, because obviously the lining and I've every single cycle I've had a lining issue as well where I've had to go on extra um, estrogen to yeah thicken it. Oh right, okay, just to add to it. Yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and and normally my yeah, like my my thickening cycle sort of thing was wasn't um, was a bit longer than the usual mm-hmm. as well, like about yeah. a week. Um, so about five days before my embryo transfer, found out you know yep definitely lining is good to will be good to go, and then I go online to book the flights to come to Brisbane, mm-hmm. only to find out that there's no flights. <laughs> Oh no! Um, there's only one flight a week, and um, it wasn't. Of course, it wasn't on the on the day of my transfer, or even like a day before. Yeah, it was like four days before. Yeah, and that was already all booked out. Um, so our solution was, my husband um, had a very demanding job at the time, and he was the sort of the main, uh, and still is, the main income earner. Um, mm-hmm. so he had to stay back and, and work on the project that he was working on at the time. I jumped in the car and drove 2000 kilometers to get my baby. <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> in the middle of pandemic. Um, wow. I, that was, <laughs> that was a trip to remember because a lot of small towns were closed. Um, it was like, you know, all the fuel stations were closed. I ran on fumes quite a few times thinking that's it I'm gonna die in the middle of a desert <laughs> oh my goodness um, so what a three-day <laughs> trip or something maybe yeah um, it you can do it in two days if you know you've got two drivers but yeah. obviously on my own I, I yeah I had I had to do it over three days wow and then with all the um COVID restrictions you know in the staying in the motels and things like that that was a lot of fun <laughs> oh my god um, yeah wow <laughs> So I got I got to Brisbane on Sunday afternoon and Monday morning I had my embryo transfer booked in. Um, and when the doctor found out, he was absolutely mortified. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> had to. Um, but it was all worth it because, again, it worked. I, I was pregnant once again. Oh, wow. Um, I... Yeah, on the way back, I was I was so not looking forward to driving for of three days not. again on my own. Yeah, um, my husband actually ended up catching a bus to meet me halfway, which Aww. was really nice. That's <laughs> very sweet of him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And by that stage, I um because I stayed with a friend in Brisbane for a few days post embryo transfer. Mm-hmm. So I actually um again <laughs> couldn't wait till my blood's day. So I was um on my first day of driving back to um where I lived, um and I stopped at a very small town on the way. <laughs> bought a test and went to a public toilet and <laughs> I had to do it it had to be done couldn't oh, wait wow. till I get to to a motel or whatever yeah um <laughs> until you saw two I lines was, yeah and um they were very strong as well and it was only um like midday of day five 
So I thought, oh my goodness, you know, to get strong lines like that on day five, that's it. This is it. I'm yeah. pregnant, you know, yeah. I'm having a baby. Um, so it would have been a nice yeah. drive home then because you thought, well, I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then my yeah. husband was very, you know, obviously like, no, I'll drive, you know, you sit back and relax. <laughs> you look after the baby, you, you know, you keep baking is what he Aww. kept saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so again, unfortunately, that pregnancy didn't progress. Oh, so um, it was another chemical or what No, happened? it was an actual pregnancy. We um, got to our six-and-a-half-week scan Um mm. Got, got a heartbeat, but it was a bit low. Um, oh. And so we had to go back a week later to, to do another ultrasound, mm-hmm. um, you know, to check that, you know, everything's okay. But within that week, I was, again, very – I had a really bad morning sickness, which lasted 24-7 mm-hmm. um, to the point I couldn't eat, couldn't drink. I was on medication and, yeah, just – really unwell um and then yeah in that week between our first ultrasound and the second ultrasound one day I woke up and all of a sudden I just yeah I wasn't sick anymore um and I kind of knew you probably just knew yeah yeah so I've sort of just started telling my husband hey I don't think that's yeah is going to be good news I just Mm -hmm. you know have that gut feeling um so on the day of ultrasound, we went together and, yeah, there was no no heartbeat, unfortunately. Oh. Um, so we, yeah, we lost baby number three. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh. Three angels. Yeah. <laughs> I always say that. Um, yeah. And it was really good. Um in terms of like this time around healthcare system actually supported me really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I called my um, fertility specialist in Brisbane and I said, look, this is what's just happened. Um, I don't want to be taking those pills again. I'm certainly not waiting for a natural miscarriage because um, I don't want to be, you know, waiting and waiting. Um I'd like to have a DNC mm-hmm. and I was ready to hop back in the car and drive back to Brisbane. And he said, no, no, um, go and talk to the hospital. I'll send a referral through as an urgent thing. And um, you having a DNC there ASAP. And Oh, that's nice um, of them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So he really supported me and, and I was in a way lucky that I lived in a small town uh, where the gynecologist that I saw initially was still working in the hospital. So um, between my fertility specialist and, and my gynecologist, they sort of just had a chat. And I was in the next morning, so we found out there was no heartbeat in the afternoon. The next morning I was in the maternity ward um, getting ready for DNC. Oh, wow, so, that was that was quick. Yeah, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was just really scared that if if I waited for days, um, if it started naturally, um, you know, I was going to go back to that, to that <laughs> um, experience again that I had first time around. 
Yeah, so um, this was a bit more, um, yeah, so you, you were booked in, you would have had the right referral and you would have been in the right place instead of just being chucked on a surgical ward. Yeah. As crap yeah, as the absolutely. situation is, you know, they sort of set you up for the best support. Yeah. And, yeah. and look, being in the maternity ward getting ready for this surgery, I had a nurse and I had a midwife come around and talk to me, you know, doing all the mm-hmm. prep work and um, it just felt so – I couldn't stop crying because I knew what mm-hmm. was going on, you know. Yeah. I knew that I was going to come out of that surgery and not be pregnant and I'm, I've lost my baby and stuff like that. But I just felt so loved and cared for. Um, that's, and that's what you was, want when yeah. you're going through that situation. You You want that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, my, my, my surgeon was holding my, like gynecologist was holding my hand as I was, um, oh, just <laughs> like going so under. Sweet. So, mm. yeah, so that's definitely, that definitely made it, um, a much nicer experience if it can be nice, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I said, to my fertility specialist, I said, something's not right because we tested the first pregnancy um, tissue. We tested, you know, the third one. Obviously, the second one was chemical, so I couldn't do much in there. But mm-hmm. we tested both, and they both genetically came back normal. Oh, um, okay. Um, so I said, something's something else is going on. Um, I just have that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I pushed to have a laparoscopy mm-hmm. um and so a week after a week and a half maybe after my dnc i flew to brisbane and had laparoscopy mm-hmm. um what did they find anything um they just found um the doctor said the tiniest amount of endometriosis Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they think that um, that wouldn't have been the issue. Like, okay. It was, yeah, a very, very small amount that, yeah, wouldn't have changed anything. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, the recovery post-laparoscopy was terrible. I don't know. I've just been in the wars that year. Yeah. <laughs> You've been through a lot. After the surgery, like when I was waking up in the post-op, I um, I stopped breathing. Oh. And, oh, like not didn't stop, but I think it was like two breaths a minute and, you know, you, oh. you're supposed to be breathing between 12 and 20. So, yeah. Um, and um, they didn't know what was going on ended up finding out that I was um, allergic to one of the medications that they give you when you go under. Oh, to add it to your list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I was a completely healthy individual with no allergies, nothing at all going into this whole experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So here we are finding out that I'm, um, that, you know, the anesthetist and I had a laugh and he said, well, at least we know you couldn't be a druggie because (laughs) you just react to all this really strong drugs really badly. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So I was kept overnight again, even though laparoscopy is like a day surgery thing. I was kept overnight because they thought I had a stroke. Oh my God. Luckily I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, so you and, did that um, one night and were able to go home? Yeah, I was able to go home the next day because all of my um, vital signs were okay and I was feeling okay. Yeah, well, so you weren't okay too sore, you didn't have that shoulder tip pain or anything? Unfortunately, um, because of my reaction to the drugs, they were too scared to give me anything apart from Panadol. Oh, my God. Wow. And Nurofen. So um, oh. the recovery, yeah, we, we we were supposed to stay in Brisbane post, um, post-op for two days and then fly home. Um. But the night before the flight, I, I just said, I, I look, I, I can't, I, I absolutely can't, um, because at that point my husband was still getting me out of bed, literally lifting me out of bed. Um, he was helping me to get off the toilet, things like that. Wow. I couldn't use my abdomen muscles at all. Yeah. Um, so we ended up extending our stay in Brisbane for, I think we ended up staying in there in five or six days mm-hmm. until I was. Um, okay I was still in a lot of pain but um at least yeah I could sort of walk and get on the plane mm-hmm. um so yeah the the, the lap, first laparoscopy recovery was awful <laughs> yeah they're not fun at all no um For a simple procedure it's yeah it's it's not fun I remember no. mine and yeah no it was an awful few days <laughs> Yeah. And so um, after that surgery, were you ready to do another transfer or what, what did you do next? Um, I was absolutely um, ready to go to go back in. And mm-hmm. at that stage, we had two embryos left in, um, in storage. Yeah. Um, but we don't know what happened still, um, but... Whether it's two surgeries, one after another, or something else was going on in my body, but I um I kept bleeding for three months straight. Oh, um, and they didn't know like it wasn't heavy bleeding, but it was sort of like um you know day sort of three or four of your period bleeding. Yeah. Um, and no nobody knew what was going on because my and my HCG was dropping. Um. Mm as you, you know, would expect. So that meant that I didn't have any leftover tissue and you'd hope that I wouldn't after two surgeries, you know, one, one after another, having mm. a good look at, at my uterus. Yeah. Um, then they thought maybe an infection and, oh, yeah, there was <laughs> a lot of drama with that. Um, my fertility specialist wasn't unfortunately doing much about it. He just said, you got to wait it out. It's just your body, you know, trying to recover. You've, you've had a lot, you know, your body has gone a lot, uh, has gone through a lot. Um, by, I think, I think it would have been about two months into it. I just said, I've had enough. Um, you know, I, I just, something is not right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a miscarriage before, you know, it like I only bled for a very short period of time post, um, you know, six weeks later, I got my period and it was all good to go. Yeah. This time around, something is going on. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going for a second opinion in a different clinic um, with a different fertility specialist. Oh, wow. Um, um, in, in Brisbane? In Brisbane, um, yeah. 
Yep. Brisbane as well. Um, yeah, so he, I like, he didn't see me face-to-face. We just had Skype appointments. Um, mm-hmm. I sent all of my results and things that, like my medical history over to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up giving me some, you know, uh, like two different antibiotics and something else as well to try and stop bleeding. Oh, okay. Um, so the yeah, like, I think the antibiotics were just to make sure that I wasn't having an infection and mm-hmm. it wasn't kind of like an ongoing issue. Um, after having a course of that, then bleeding continued. So he gave me some sort of tablets to stop the bleeding, which um, has worked. Okay. But they never actually figured out why, but he was managed managed to stop the bleeding. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, like, I had my laparoscopy around the 20th of June and mm-hmm. it was mid-September. I was still bleeding. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, yeah, I had a course of those tablets, stopped the bleeding, Stopped those tablets, started bleeding again, but at th- that stage we thought, oh, maybe it's th- it's the actual period. Um, admittedly, it stopped on its own, resolved, um, and we did the, the blood test and, you know, checked the baseline and I was all good to go for another cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went back and did the embryo transfer, um, which didn't, didn't work. And then we were left with one embryo and a lot of questions. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so the last embryo transfer, I flew to Brisbane on my own mm-hmm. <clears throat> without my husband. Um, again, just due to work issues. Um, and I was in the hotel getting ready to go in. Mm-hmm. About an hour before my transfer, I got a phone call saying that the embryo didn't survive the defrosting. Oh, no. And that was your last <laughs> embryo out of the first That was the cycle. last. Yeah, that was oh the last Oh, my goodness. Embryo, and you'd so. flown 2,000 kilometres yeah. to hear that an hour before. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, again, had a good cry and then I called yeah. back to the clinic and I said, well, since I've got my appointment, can I come and chat to the doctor, please? Um, yeah, you're so proactive. I really want to. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you know, you, you've really got to advocate for yourself, though. Definitely. Um, I that's what I found with you know the whole journey that you really really need to yeah stand up for yourself sometimes. Definitely. Yep. Um, so so how'd the chat go? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Um, I was a, an emotional <laughs> wreck. <laughs> mm, I bet. But, um, <laughs> um, at that stage, my fertility specialist said, "Look, you just uh, you just have a very, very colourful fertility history now. You've yeah. literally had one of, of you know, of potential outcomes. You had one of each. <laughs> you, no, you you really um, have." <laughs> yeah wow you've ticked quite a few boxes in terms of things that can go wrong and issues you have you're ticking them yeah wow (laughs) so um the I guess the suggestion was that you know it's 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 just 
your uterus is fine. You know, we 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 didn't find any issues in there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You've fallen pregnant three times. Um, it's just a numbers game. It's oh, all about getting the right embryo. Okay. Yeah. And as so soon that- as I heard that, I said, oh, well, it could be a numbers game, but it's, you know, maybe numbers in your pocket. Not to be rude or anything, but it is a very expensive exercise. Of course, yeah. Um, so I I felt really uneasy after that conversation that, oh, you know, what's what's that to do with numbers? Like I'm falling pregnant, obviously something goes wrong after that. Mm-hmm. And I've questioned whether, you know, it'd be, it'd be good for us to to do another cycle, egg collection, and then test the embryos. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor at that clinic didn't believe in the testing very much. Um, okay, interesting. Especially because, yeah, especially because the the two pregnancies that were tested um, came back normal genetically. Yep. So, um, you sort of said, "Look, um, I don't think there is a, you know, a reason why I should be spending so much money on testing those embryos if if they are okay." Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back home, um, had a bit of a, obviously had to wait for my period to come then. Um, and my husband and I at that stage decided to move to Brisbane. (laughs) Oh, okay. You made the move. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were in the middle of basically moving, you know, 2000 kilometers, Mm -hmm. um, um, sorting all of that out. I had my final exams at uni mm-hmm. and we at that same time we decided oh why not let's just do another egg pick up cycle <laughs> um <laughs> so um i remember uh, we drove like a car each to brisbane with two dogs in my car yeah and i remember that we had to stop and um do those belly injections like in the car in the middle of nowhere oh wow <laughs> I feel like a druggie I- Oh, well, I just love your determination. That is just <laughs> insane. So, um, yeah, so we, we did another egg collection. Um, this time around I just said, no, 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 uh, put me under. Yes. <laughs> um, you did that in hospital and um, had over 20 follicles on the scan. Mm-hmm. Um, everything looked and felt exactly the same as it did the first time around yeah uh, I was really bloated and then you know pain and da 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 um and then we when I woke up from the anesthetic they said oh we only managed to collect two eggs wow um, were you on the same yeah. drugs as your first stim cycle exactly exact same protocol wow. just nothing has changed yeah wow and I said what do you mean like I didn't even consider that as an option because my egg reserve is really good um Mm. obviously the first collection was really good like what is going on wow okay um and then out of the two eggs one um progressed to the embryo stage Mm -hmm. um we did a transfer in december um that year yep and New Year's Eve, I um, started bleeding. It wasn't it wasn't my blood's day yet. I think mm-hmm. I had a 
couple of days after that. Yeah. But because I started bleeding, I, I just sort of knew and I did a um, home test and it was, you know, stuck wide. Yeah. So sorry, was this no. a fresh transfer? No, it was frozen it again. It was a frozen again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that news, if I had some friends over and I sort of just, um, uh, again, you're not supposed to do that, but I just knew that it didn't work. So I stopped all the medications and mm-hmm. let my body sort of bleed and, and do what it needed to do. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> and I said, you, well, just, at least you just know, <laughs> hey, yeah. Yeah, you, you really do. I think um, after, you know, that was my transfer number six. Mm-hmm. I think you do, you do yeah. get to know your body a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, so that night I said, well, at least I get to have champagne. And <laughs> I hope really you enjoyed <laughs> a whole bottle and it was very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, had a really good night. And then I woke up the next morning and I said to my husband, I can't do this anymore. I need some time off. I haven't had my body for a such a long time, you know. Yep. It's, been, yep. it's been a long, long journey. It's been... By that stage, um, oh, how many years? Like two and a half or something years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I said, no, even more than that. Um, you know, I've put on I've put on some weight, and I, um, a lot of medications really um, made me feel sick because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't really high doses of estrogen and progesterone uh, for all of my cycles. So you know like headaches and um, nausea were were my worst things mm-hmm. I couldn't exercise during that time um, I felt like I really wasn't living you know in my own body my own life anymore mm-hmm. um, and it was really getting to me I just felt like I, I, and in the middle of it as well I had to sort of pause my um, university studies as well um, because I, yeah, I couldn't handle all of it at the same time, just, mm-hmm. um, you know, feeling sick and tired and stuff like that and all the appointments and things really do um, take it out of you. Of course, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we had the conversation and, and um, like, m- my husband was, re- you know, ready to sort of go back and get stuck back into it. Um, but I said, no, I, I really need... I really need my time. My body needs to heal. <laughs> of course. Um, How long did you I, have I off and what did you do um, during your time off between cycles? So um, be, like before I go into that, I actually, um, we, we also had that conversation around whether we go back to the same clinic or not. Oh, okay. And yep. after that conversation and especially the, you know, poor, um egg pickup numbers mm-hmm. I said mm-hmm. I said why don't we go um and get another opinion you know um I just feel like we need to do something else more we need to do mm-hmm. more we need to do yep. more testing I can fall pregnant I'm obviously not um staying pregnant something is going on um so yeah so we decided that I'll take as much time as I need but meanwhile, we'll um, find a clinic that we want to go to mm-hmm. um, for that second opinion, have that initial conversation with them, find out what, you know, what needs to be done. At least we sort of know what we 
signing up for. Yep. Um, and then when I'm ready, we'll sort of um, get back into it. Okay. I had, um, so I had, what is it, like from the 1st of January basically, um, 2021 until until end of May, so what, five mm-hmm. months, five yep. months off. Um, end of May we had a conversation with a new uh, fertility specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, and were they and then, willing to explore different things, try something new? Yeah, so he he really um, didn't want to start on anything until I do another laparoscopy and do more testing. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So we ended up doing testing that cost a lot of money, but we found out. Uh, more about ourselves mm-hmm. and was your um, your partner having lots of tests as well and were his tests repeated yeah so they've repeated the new clinic they've repeated all of the tests that we've done two years sort of before mm-hmm. uh, just because of you know we've had all these things in between and um, things could have changed and stuff like that so they repeated those tests plus we did um, uh, like extra stuff mm-hmm uh, my husband had the extra, I think it's called Halo sperm test, mm-hmm. um, like the one that you actually go and pay for. Yep. Um, so, and then I had another laparoscopy as well. Um, Were the findings lapar- different? So with that laparoscopy, again, a small amount of endometriosis was found, which yep. was removed. Mm-hmm. Um and we also did, um, it's called ovarian drilling. Oh, so wow, okay. Polycystic, yeah, with polycystic ovaries, there's, um, I've, I've done a lot of like my own, I guess, research on that prior to surgery because I was like, well, what, you're going to drill my set in my ovaries? What? Mm. <laughs> um, that doesn't sound right. At least you'd be put but, to yeah. sleep though, not just given a green whistle. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um yeah, there's a lot of evidence behind it that it actually helps to have a normal cycle even after that uh, if you have polycystic ovaries. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we've done that. And then, like, all in all, that took us about three months to wait for all the um, tests to come back, mm-hmm. to have laparoscopy, you know, to have that recovery time post-laparoscopy. And, by the way, my second laparoscopy was amazing I woke up oh wow um that same day I was walking on my own doing everything on my own like I had a bit of a shoulder tip pain but it was nothing in comparison to the first one it was it was amazing yeah yeah um and yeah so with the testing extra testing we found out that we we were a partial DQ alpha match Mm -hmm. um yeah, so which meant that we, like when we were ready to go into the whole um, embryo transfer, um, I was just going to have an immune protocol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, my cat's is coming to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's continued talking about um, an immune protocol with the next cycle. Yeah, so we've we've done an egg collection, um, had completely different drugs this time around mm-hmm. to what I've had previously. Yep. Um, still pretty high doses, but 
like different names and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I had a double trigger as well. Um, ended up collecting 23 eggs. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, That's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, again, I was back to being very, you know, like hopeful um, that that was going to work because, you know, because that's what was going to, you know, in my head that's that's what should happen um, mm-hmm. with like good egg reserve and stuff like that because that yep. wasn't my issue initially. Of course. Um, so how would you go over those days with the numbers? Um, so we had um, – I think it must have been about 15 that fertilised. And then we ended up with nine embryos. Wow. And were you... Yeah, big family. (laughs) Did you do the PGS with this like you were wanting to or no? Yes, we did, yeah. So we we actually got recommended um, a fresh transfer just because I've never done it before. Why Mm -hmm. not? Give it a go. Yep. Um, and then the other eight got tested. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, that's great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, my fresh transfer didn't work. I actually had a moderate, um, hyperstimulation. Mm-hmm. We still went ahead with the, um, with the transfer because like I was in pain, but I wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the doctor said, look, there's, it's fine. You'll be okay um yeah anyways fresh didn't work that's fine uh we just waited for um the results to come back from the testing mm-hmm. and then the very next cycle we did a fr- frozen transfer from one of the tested embryos so how many were normal out of your eight um we've got um two inconclusive okay um um, yeah, and then the rest are fine. Wow, great results. Six, six That's awesome. Yeah. So you probably felt like things were coming together, you were getting some answers, you were you were getting there. Def- definitely, and I felt yeah. like we had a plan now. It was a different protocol, you know, yeah. um, different drugs, different doctor, different approach. Um, yeah. So far everything was going really well. So, yeah, definitely felt happy again excited mm-hmm. again yeah um um so yeah so we had the um one of the f- frozen embryos that got tested we had we had that transfer mm-hmm. and then I um I just had the extra injections to do so the immune um, protocol for the immune protocol yeah, yeah and I had to have that intralipids once in mm-hmm. once a fortnight in hospital um things like that I've um also started taking uh like extra supplements and things mm-hmm. um and then the em- uh, the transfer worked i was pregnant once again yeah um but on the day of the bloods um like my hcg was really high but my progesterone was very very low oh no even okay. though i was like on three pessaries a day mm-hmm. um so we've increased it. We've increased the amount of pessaries per day. Mm-hmm. Did you have well any bleeding, or you just knew it was low? Um, I didn't have any bleeding. We just, yeah, we knew because of the blood test because mm-hmm. they tested my progesterone on that yep. day. Yeah. Um, so we added the progesterone injections as well on top of it. 
mm-hmm. um, just to kind of, yeah, give it a bit more support. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I'm 28 w- weeks pregnant now. <laughs> oh, wow. The baby boy. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, it, look, it wasn't uh, the, the first trimester. I was on all the meds um, until 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the intramuscular progesterone injection once a day. I had a belly injection. Mm-hmm. Um, I had about six or seven estrogen estrogen pills per day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, it's a <laughs> um, lot. Yeah, yeah. So I was very, um, very sick, uh, like with morning sickness. I think that all the medications weren't really helping. <laughs> yeah, and you're probably allergic um, to half the um, anti-emetics anyway <laughs> to help you with your nausea. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. But your pregnancy was progressing, um, so I bet you just yeah. yeah got on with it by the sounds of yeah who you are. <laughs> Absolutely, we yeah. uh, we had our we had our scan, um, the first scan with the fertility specialist at um six and a half weeks mm-hmm. um had heard a very strong heartbeat you know happy days and then went back a week later um at seven and a half weeks oh no not even seven and a half so I was barely seven weeks actually sorry mm-hmm. um and I got discharged from the clinic and it felt yeah. so weird <laughs> I bet after yeah, yeah um send you off on your merry really way anxious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, off you go, go see an obstetrician now. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not ready yeah. for this. Yeah. No, it is um, hard when you when you graduate and you're like, oh, what what do I do now? I've had so many bloods and scans and yeah. injections and infusions and I know what medicate. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. So just going back to the progesterone, with yep. your other um cycles, were they tracking your progesterone so with your your previous pregnancies were they tracking your Mm -hmm. progesterone like did anyone else pick that up or um yeah so I used um progesterone injections um in my previous cycles as well not all of them okay just some of them okay but it was Um, a known factor that you you were you did have low progesterone progesterone and you did need that extra support it actually was different every cycle. Okay. Um, okay. Interesting. Yeah, it wasn't like a, you know, with my lining, like with estrogen, we knew that was a known issue. So I was just on high dose anyways, mm-hmm. whereas progesterone was, yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, really strange. Um, my previous clinic, um, the doctor didn't believe in pro- testing progesterone levels. So I actually did it. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Have low progesterone and then miscarry. Anyway, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I actually, actually, you know, like with this pregnancy at the moment, um, like I said, we tested my progesterone and it, and it, it was quite low. Mm-hmm. Um, so we upped the pessaries, but then a couple of days later, I had a bleed. Um, oh, so okay. I called the clinic back yep. and I said, look, I'm bleeding. Can I come in for a scan? Mm-hmm. You know, with all the past history, I'm feeling really anxious. So went in for a scan and, you know, saw the heartbeat, heard the heartbeat and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's when they said, well, your progesterone must be still low. Let's test it. But meanwhile, go and get those injections and just mm-hmm. start on them. 
So they Anyways, you know, you're proactive, not, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to, like, make it worse. You're not going to – you can't overdose on progesterone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so once I started on those injections, my bleeding had stopped and, yeah, everything was going fine after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one other question I was going to ask you. So with your DQ um, alpha gene partial match, was there any Mm -hmm. um, talk about doing the LMIT? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we got referred to a doctor down in Melbourne Mm -hmm. um, to have that done, but we, he's a very busy man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We got like, we got that sort of the news must've been about July last year. Yep. And I called straight away to that doctor's clinic to Mm -hmm. make an appointment. Um, But we didn't get an appointment. Like we didn't get to talk to him until mid November. That was the earliest. Yeah, I think with COVID as well, the wait list would have been so long. Yeah, yeah. So by that stage, I was already, um, I was about seven or eight weeks pregnant mm-hmm. with his bub. Yeah, and um, the the doctor down in Melbourne said, you know, I strongly recommend for you to um, have it in the first trimester, anyways. It really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had the uh, all of the borders were closed then, so we couldn't we couldn't fly down to Melbourne. We could actually fly down to Melbourne, but we couldn't come back to Brisbane yeah. unless we did a two week quarantine. Of course, in the, yeah. in the hotel. Yeah. Um, and I've yeah I've spoken to the like COVID hot, hotline. They sort of just said, look, it's it's not because we want to go; it's because we need to go. Of course. Um, and um, they yeah. even because there's another specialist in Sydney. Um, that can do LMIT. Um, so my documents got sent to Sydney to see mm-hmm. if they can do it. Um, and they were ready to sort of see me tomorrow if I needed, you know, if, if I could make it down there. Mm-hmm. But again, it was the same thing with COVID. We couldn't fly back to Brisbane unless we did two-week paid quarantine in the um, hotel. Yeah. Um, you know, and as you would imagine, it sort of <laughs> adds up really quickly all of a of sudden. Course. Yeah, um, yeah. So we kind of just um, sat down, had a had a chat, and decided that we'll yeah we'll gamble, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. not do it because I was getting those intralipids every fortnight until I was fourteen weeks and all the other supplements and things. Yeah. So and you're on that I mean, I protocol of, from the get go. So yeah, and I yeah. had a lot of trust in that. So I just said okay let's just give it a go and if that if that doesn't um you know it doesn't work mm-hmm. then we won't go into another cycle until we do LMIT yeah yeah but here you are now 28 weeks pregnant so that is that's, yeah. that's amazing absolutely love your determination you the fact that you drove to and from <laughs> like 2,000 kilometers and then stopping and doing injections on the way is just wow that's just crazy it's such a good story to tell you gotta yeah. do what you gotta do. Oh, exactly. <laughs> hey, and you just um, you just keep going. I just gotta say that you know it's um, it's it it definitely helped with the whole living in a small town and flying to Brisbane. Um, Queensland Health actually supports you. 
uh, financially. Oh. So oh, they wow, actually they, they actually did pay for our flights, um, which yeah helped a lot. Yeah, wow. Um, but what really bothers me to this day is that you know we're not like IVF patients are not getting supported in any shape or form um, in terms of the actual treatment costs. It's as if oh, yeah, yeah. It's as if you know it's a an elective kind of thing to do rather than a medical condition. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that really bothers me. <laughs> no, it, it, it bothers me a too. Lot, that... a lot of... Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, one... a lot of families out there probably can't, you know, want to have kids, but it's it's so expensive, yeah. can't really afford it. And on the Medicare subsidized programs, which you know, not many clinics have that. Um, you're only limited to certain drugs and amount of drugs, mm-hmm. which you know, for me personally, because we looked into it um, when we started IVF, um, the doctor said, "Look, we." Um, limited to how many you know the the dose of the drug that we can give you and with your history it's probably not going to work and it wouldn't have yeah (laughs) because I wasn't really high high stuff yeah dose so yeah that that really bothers me and I do feel for those families that you know just um Mm. dreaming about having babies but don't get that support Mm. yeah of course did you access your um super at all for the yeah cycle. twice you did yeah yeah <laughs> yeah twice yeah even that so is helped. is just ridiculous that people have to do that when it's it's not a choice you, you know it's not an elective it's yeah and we're taking money out of our super funds to try yeah. and have a baby that is something I'm still wrapping my head around but um, even um, even the whole process of taking the money out of the super, you feel yes. like a criminal. Yeah. They make you feel like a criminal. <laughs> of course, with having to say that it's due to um, your mental well-being, that really got me yeah. as well. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. And I believe that now you actually have to see a psychiatrist, not a Oh, not that a changed GP. it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that so makes that it just even adds worse. To it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you're going through IVF and infertility, you know, or fertility issues, um, mental health is a huge component. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone I've spoken to who has gone through IVF has really struggled mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having, you know, that written down on a piece of paper that um, you have to have those money because of the mental health issues. Of course. Like, well, I don't have mental health issues, you know. Yeah. It makes you have um, mental health have... issues by saying that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, it, you know, it'd be good if we, we had those conversations at one point within our government or something, you know, to, to support those families um, mm-hmm. and make it a little bit easier, definitely. Yes, I mean, so much yeah. is covered by Medicare and you just think that IVF would, I mean, you do get some back from Medicare and there are the bulk billing clinics, yeah, but, but I mean, nothing. a bulk billing clinic isn't yeah. for everyone and some people need to pay no. the big bucks and it's a shame yeah. that more isn't covered because some people like, yeah, can't afford it. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, we always joke with my husband that, 
you know, we could have um, bought another house for the yep. amount of money that was spent on IVF. Yep. No, I've had um, that same conversation with, with my husband. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Obviously it's all worth it in the end. You know, we were sort of um, oh, only a few weeks away from getting our little bundle of joy, but yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of financial, um, yeah, issues. <laughs> that you have to experience as a family. Of course, yeah. Before we wrap this up, is there anything else you you wanted to, to add or any advice you wanted to give? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest one would be um, if, if you're going into an IVF um, or starting on an IVF journey, um, whether, you know, you're doing it as a single person or a family or, you know, whatever the situation is, I think the main, the biggest mistake that I made was not having that support person to start with. Um, and I'm not talking about your partner, you know, um, someone else who will be um, ready to listen and not judge and, you know, be that shoulder to cry on if you need to. Um, because it is a very, it is a roller coaster, and um, yeah, having someone to talk to is really important for like in any aspect. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Just that person to even just send random texts to and be like, So this happened, and have a bit of a rant, and that person they're just going to write yeah. back to you. So, yeah, yeah no, yeah. great. Great advice. Yeah, I know that um, it really helped me to get through um, all of my cycles, apart from that fir- very first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that person and, um, you know, the amount of conversations that we had where I was very openly talking about my bleeding and things like that, I don't mm-hmm. think she wanted to hear that. Yeah. But I just needed a safe, yeah, safe um, space to talk about these things and just get it out of you know off my chest and and move on with my life type thing and um, I th- yeah I'm, I couldn't be more thankful to this person for you know being there for me uh, so yeah definitely important to have them yeah, in your life sounds like a really good friend you you have there <laughs> I def- I'm definitely yeah lucky yeah 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 well congratulations on your pregnancy Anna and thank you so much um, for sharing your journey with me today no thank you thank you for listening to another episode of IVF tales would you like to share your tale click on the survey monkey link below and I'll get in touch with you